0: This session is, why do socialists focus on the working class? It's one of our introductory sessions, but it's for people of all experiences and all ages to attend. We've got Ruth Cashman speaking, who's a socialist activist and a trade unionist in Lambeth Unison in South London. Ruth's gonna speak for around 20 minutes. Then we should have a good half an hour for discussion and then a little bit of time for Ruth to come back answer any questions. We'll take contributions or questions from people from the floor and from Zoom. We've got someone assisting with the Zoom as well. So without taking up any more time, over to you, Ruth. Thanks for inviting me and thank you for coming to this introduction session, Why Do Socialists Focus on the Working Class? So if you're here, unless you're very stuck with things to do on a Saturday, then you probably think capitalism is pretty bad, and it is. Um so in sub-Saharan Africa, one in 13 child- children die before their fifth birthday, the majority of which because of health conditions related to malnutrition. Uh, the number of child labourers stood at 160 million at the start of 2020, which was an increase on of 8.4 million um, from the four years before. We had a, another heartbreaking um, reminder of the violence of borders this week, with the drowning in the Channel. Uh, 22,930 people have been recorded dead or missing in the Mediterranean since 2014, and the world is now home to 2,755 billionaires, um, which is a startling 30% increase on pre-pandemic. 86% of those billionaires are richer than they were a year ago. Capitalism is a system of war, a system of racism, poverty, degradation, and exploitation extreme extreme inequality and at once the most awful and most wonderful thing about capitalism is these things are preventable we have the productive capacity the education and the communication systems to produce the food and medicine so children in sub-Saharan Africa can live we have the knowledge and interconnectedness to plan and share out great uh, share out work across the economy greatly aided by technology We can restructure production and distribution with human need instead of profit as the goal. Ruling classes have been necessary throughout history because of scarcity. One class became rich and built a civilization out of the work of others. Poverty came from an inability to provide the basics for the entire population. That scarcity no longer blights us, it no longer blights humanity. And we have the chance to build a more equal system through democratic planning. But we need more than just technology and knowledge for a new world. We need the will and the means to bring it about. And capitalism creates that in the working class. Class struggle is at the centre of our politics. It's the nucleus of Marxism, and it's class struggle for Marxists to explain the dynamic of history. And the abolition of classes is the end product of class struggle, the ultimate objective of the revolutionary process. Uh, The particular important for Marxism if the working class in capitalist society, as it's the only class whose own class interests require and whose own conditions make possible the abolition of class itself. Capitalism means a world run according to the drives and dictates of owning and exploiting minority, which expropriates the wealth produced, though, uh, produced by those who work for wages, people like us, the big majority of people in Britain, and now the majority worldwide. The working class isn't just manual workers, or it's not a kind of stereotype minor with a flat cap and a ferret in their trousers. It's not just low paid workers. Um, it's everyone who has to sell their ability to work in order to live. It's train drivers and teachers and researchers and cleaners and social workers and whatever your job is and IT consultants and many, many, many more jobs. So when we say the working class is the agent of revolutionary change, the human key to end oppression and exploitation, we don't say that because um, we have an understanding of working-class people as being kind of individually, morally superior souls. There are also working-class people. There are vile working-class people. And I'm sure that there are some, some, some nice, very nice rich people. On occasion, you may have uh, met unpleasant working-class people. On occasion, I've been one. Um, and the working-class can have all kinds of uh, reactionary ideas. And this, this isn't just kind of one-offs. Um, um, so the Tories, Trump, Bolsonaro, uh, they may rule on behalf of the rich and they may be there to defend the interests of the ruling class. Um, but they have not been voted in by, by the mega rich and the ruling class they've been voted in by millions and millions of working class people. Um, and, and not despite of, but because of their racism and their sexism. There's a politics on the left that fetishizes the worker on an individual level that sees individual working class people, whatever their views, as a kind of morally pure slice of socialism. And that's not our politics. Taking as individuals, there's no reason to argue a worker is a better human being just because they are a worker. The mere fact of being exploited doesn't magically make you good. But if we look at good and bad and things that we can agree are bad, like uh, burning children's death or trapping people in mines or leaving families with not enough money to pay their rent um, you can see that those things happen all over the world a couple of times a year, if you search through the stories in the kind of back of newspapers where the little stories um, reside, you'll find some unbelievably awful workplace tragedy in Indonesia. So uh, a few months ago, a max factory went up um, killing dozens of people, including, um, including 10 children because there were children working in that factory. Uh, last week, a mine in Russia, caught fire and the death toll is currently at 51. 21 delivery workers in South Korea have died since the start of the pandemic and the unions say that they've died of overwork. Um, in Australia this week, a man was crushed to death in a delivery company that had previously been reported for health and safety incidents, which is one well of about 200 workplace deaths that happen to Australia every year. Now, not only are there individual bosses responsible for these deaths, Across the board, employers put back, push back at legislation for health and safety checks in workplaces, for limits on the working week, and for anything that places human life of their workers above their bottom line. Is this a trend amongst bosses because they're individually bad people? Not necessarily. Some of these people might be kind, generous friends, give to charity, do all kinds of things. They probably don't go into people's homes and set fire to them and kill their children. Um, they maybe even watch Squid Games and think, oh gosh that looks awful Um, but they don't act just as individuals, they act in another way, as part of their class collective and in that way they do put human life before profit and the way they explain it away is they just say this is just business this is their way of distinguishing their individual human thoughts and their role as a member and, and as a member of the business community or of their class. The conditions of existence and interests of business make out of them a social force that has little resemblance to, as, to what they are as people.
1: Like every other class
0: of group, the working class is more than a sum of our individual actions. It's not a question of individual goodness, it's a question of what direction we are pushed by the conditions of our existence as a class and by our interests of workers um, within this group. When a working class is politically and socially under, underdeveloped, it's almost inevitable that our members will be filled by all kinds of backward and reactionary ideas. So it's often quoted a statistic in the US that, um, with college education, uh, you're more likely to, uh, you're less likely to be prejudiced. So you're more like, less likely to be racist. You're more likely, uh, to, to support legal abortion is two of the things that they, that they do the stats on. Um, but what's, so, and that's been detectable for about 100 years. That trend has kind of always been in place across US society in the time that they have been doing these surveys. Now, in general, the children of working class people are less likely to have a college education in the US because it's so expensive. So according to this pattern, workers should be filled with far more racism um, than the rest of the population. Uh, Hal Draper, um, a US social- socialist in the 1950s, noted that where the college education rule falls down, is in cases where uh, workers receive a class education. It holds best where labour is poorly organised as a class and where it's organised in the least class-conscious fashion. White workers in trade unions are less racist than workers who are not in trade unions. Workers in militant unions, this is even truer. There is a logic to fighting alongside other people of a different race, of a different religion, of a different sexuality, that breaks away a reaction we've So you saw in the Brexit... Um, the Brexit period, let's call it, uh, trade union members were vastly more likely to be against Brexit um, than the general population. So two to one. And you see that in struggle, these reactionary ideas can break down even, even more. So in the minor strike, we saw women against pit closures. we saw lesbians and gay support minors, how communities and identities and ideas can change rapidly in struggle about the potential, not just for growth, as a class, but for personal growth and, and change in past, as part of the struggle. So if you guys have seen Pride, which I have, and it made me Cry Like a Baby, it's essentially a film about solidarity and acceptance of difference and the ultimate recognition that working-class people have more that unites us and divides us. And even where there is no conscious class organisation, where unions are not yet strong, in the workplace there is already a degree of collectivity and a logic Workers are collectively situated in production. Uh, They're interdependent. Um, Interdependence is built into the social relations, both within workplaces and between them. The logic of struggle is not just the unity within the class. The working class is a class without property or rights of possession of the means of production. We must sell our labor power for wages. And and there's another class that exists which appropriates the surplus labor. of us, of all of us. And that relationship is necessarily, to various degrees, a relationship of conflict, or at least a relationship with a great antagonism at its heart. To the extent that the efforts of one class to maximize the value it derives from the labor of the other will be the relative disadvantage of the latter, in various ways having to do with wages and conditions and security and control of the workforce. So expensive health and safety is my advantage, but to my boss's disadvantage, Higher wages also, shorter hours, paid holiday. These are class aims. There are exceptions, there are things that benefit you and your employer, but in general, profit and our conditions of life are at odds and it's a zero-sum game. The interests of workers as as a group organized by capitalism lead them to struggle. Class conditions and needs of interests of workers drive them into an organized movement. In the course of this struggle, Right up against the bounds of capitalist system. This is not true of any group, um, any other group in society. And we don't just have the interest to push back exploitation to the point of its abolition. We also have the will. We don't just have the will. We have the ability. The working class has the social power and weight to abolish the old order and build a new society. When the working class and its allies, from other sections of the, uh, sort of the people, as we had it described in our leaflet, um, are in the mass majority and are ready for the abolition of capitalism. It's not going to be bullets and force, although I'm sure they will likely to be both in the defense of the revolution, that will win but our social power, which will determine the result in the last analysis. Our work makes the world run. The services we perform, perform keep the world running. Without our work, the entire system grounds to a halt. No other class can cause a social crisis by deliberate and collective decision as in a large-scale strike. When the working class goes into battle, all of society is brought in. For all of, us, for all of society depends on us. Every time the working class stirs, the rest of society shakes. And when that weapon is used across the class in a general strike or a mass strike, it pulls back the curtain on the workings of capitalism and the potential of workers as a collective. So Trotsky writes of the mass strike. The general strike is one of the most acute forms of class war. It is one step from the general strike to armed insurrection. If carried through to the end, the general strike brings the revolutionary class up against the task of organising a new state power. A real victory for the general strike can only be found in the conquest of power by the proletariat. But boy, are we far from the general strike. Uh, Trade union membership um, has gone slightly up as have strikes in the last few years, but they have gone up from uh, 2018, which was the lowest strike numbers in the UK since the 19th century. And that's, that's a pretty miserable and bleak picture, if you believe that the working class are the agent to change the world, and it's led many to become demoralized and for some, that demoralization has consolidated into a political perspective. So we have seen um, also in the last few years the growth of a, a socialism without class, um, and that might be something we can talk about a little bit in the discussion. Um, but the fact that our class institutions, the unions, are timid, the fact that they're beaten back and defeated in the last battle does not fundamentally change the interests, position, and potential of the ruling class, uh, of the working class. And the ruling class recognise this. So um, just before 2018, the lowest level of uh, strike numbers since the 19th century was um, 2016, which was also the lowest level of strike numbers um, mm-hmm. since the um in, until 2018 came along. Um, and, and in that period, incredibly low-class struggle, uh, the Tories brought in new anti-union laws at a historic low of strike action. And then they brought in... Um, and the reason that they've done that is because they also recognize the potential of collective action of workers. They recognize that although they've beaten the unions back, they are not fully dead and defeated forever. So we have a job to do to transform the labor movement so it's up to its task, And we need to unite and organise our class and mobilise them for their class interests. And that's always been clear to Marxists. The the, the task of making revolution is a conscious and not an easy political project. Um, But ultimately, the structure of society has stayed the same. So Francis Morhael has a a description of um, why the working class is central to socialist projects. And he says... As the exploitive class, it is caught in a systemic clash with capital, which can generally and permanently satisfy, which cannot generally and permanently satisfy its needs. As the main producing class, it has the power to fall, and within limits, redirect the economic apparatus of capitalism in pursuit of its goals. And as the collective producer, it has the objective capacity to found a new, non-exploitative mode of production. This combination of interest, power, and creative capacity Distinguishes the working class from every other social or political force in capitalist history. It qualifies it as the indispensable agent of socialism. To reaffirm this position is not to claim that socialism is assured, it's certainly not, or that the labour movement alone is likely to achieve it. Creativity is a potential and not an achievement. But the potential itself is not determined by the moral and political fortunes of the labour movement as it is today is fostered by the ordinary contradictions inherent in capitalism. The fact that we emphasize class um, doesn't mean that class is our only concern. Racial oppression and gender oppression exist in particular forms under capitalism and they have a relationship to class, but we don't reduce them to class. Karl Marx said the emancipation of the working class is the emancipation of all human beings without distinction of race or gender. But overthrowing capitalism is a necessary condition for overthrowing racial and gender oppression. But these oppressions need their own focus. They need organization. and They, they are questions that um, we don't ignore in favor of class. Indeed, effective class struggle requires us to take up these questions in particular ways. So what does the focus on class mean for us in practice? So it means most of our comrades are active in the trade union movement. I am, I know. I'm an activist in local government. I'm a, a library worker, and I'm in production, which I can be a branch secretary, taking the branch Um, When our students leave uh, university, we ask them to get um, to get useful jobs in industry, and that can mean anything from being a civil servant, or a local government worker, or a tube worker, or a postal worker. Um, and while we're in the labour movement, we fight to transform, transform that um, that labour movement. We produce regular bulletins um, and newsletters for particular industries and workplaces. So if you join us at the RMT picket line tonight, you will see our tube worker bulletin. We advocate and fight for the creation of an independent working class politics and the establishment of a worker's government. This would be a government based uh, based on and accountable to the labor movement, which pushes through policies like free trade unions and universal high quality public services by taxing the rich. And we see that as a, opening the way for revolutionary worker struggle. We aim to build working-class solidarity in Britain, but we also aim to build working-class solidarity across the world. And in international conflicts, we take a position based on international worker solidarity. I will end with a quote from Hal Draper, whose article, Why the Working Class, I ripped off for this uh, introduction. Uh-huh. The Socialist Revolution, once observed, Rosa Luxemburg, is a war in which there are necessarily a continuous series of defeats, followed by only one victory. Nothing can be guaranteed, of course, except the honour and dignity for fighting for a new and better world, rather than the vileness of adapting one's mind and heart to a vile one. We guarantee to no one that the working class is predestined to behave according to our groupings. Even if we sit by in an interested passivity to see whether it carries out its mission, we often, we offer only a road of struggle and a choice of allies in the way, in the only war worth fighting for. The battle for socialist democracy against rival world blocs of war and exploitation. Thank you. <coughs>